What an interesting story. Jesus had healed lepers before. I think it does bear us explaining a little bit about leprosy. Most of you, if you've grown up in church, know something about it. If you haven't, you may really not. It was a very debilitating disease. There were different levels of it. Many things were called leprosy that had to do with the skin and those kinds of things, but there was a certain kind of leprosy that was truly fatal and very much contagious and a very painful and slow death. And once you realized you had it, there was nothing that could be done for you. You were going to die from it. Literally, your skin was going to fall off, become infected, be very painful. You'd go very weak and you would eventually die. But one of the most tragic things of this disease was that you had to be put outside of the community. You couldn't stay with your family. You couldn't be nurtured and cared for by your loved ones at the point of your death. You actually had to leave your family. You had to leave the community and you might be gathered with another group of of lepers and you would be in a colony together, sort of taking care of one another as best you could until you all died. It was a very tragic, painful existence of no hope whatsoever and of alienation. And clearly the scripture makes a direct comparison to those who have the physical ailment of leprosy and those who are without Christ and sin is their inheritance. For those of us who don't know Jesus, those of us who've not been redeemed, we have a condition far worse than physical leprosy. We are indeed spiritually dead and we have no hope of any future and we are alienated from God. So there's this picture of physical leprosy in the Bible that immediately that the people who lived in those days and times would have understood the fear of that word and the, the, the anxiety of that word and the dread of that word and, and really the terminal sentence that you had when you had that disease. You were going to die. It was going to be painful. You were going to be alienated. And yet for those who are living without Christ, that's the same thing. You're going to die. You're going to be alienated from the love of God you're going to be an object of his wrath for all eternity. And frankly, what you would face would make physical leprosy seem like nothing. And just as the leper could do nothing to cleanse himself, there was no medication he could take, no cleansing he could do, nothing he could do to make himself better. So it is with those who are dead in their sin and trespasses. There's nothing you can do. No amount of church attendance, no amount of giving money. Jesus said, all of your righteousness is like filthy rags. It's not that you can try to hope your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. One sin is all it takes For you to offend a holy God and for become an object of his wrath. And the scripture goes on to say that we are actually objects of God's wrath by our own nature. We're fallen. We sin. That's what we do. That is the dilemma. And so here we see these 10 lepers. As I said, Jesus had healed lepers before. In fact, you may remember another time he said he healed them. He said, don't go tell anybody. (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Remember that? That was earlier on, and and he wasn't anywhere near ready to reveal who he was and the end of time as he was getting ready to be in Jerusalem and and go through all that he would go through in that last Passion Week of his life. Wasn't anywhere near there, and he knew that if it got out that he was able to heal lepers, it would just absolutely take over everything. And so he, he said, keep that quiet. But here he doesn't. Here he heals these 10 lepers, not one, but 10, a group of them, And he tells them to go to the priest. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
First, I want you to notice there are 10 of them and they are at a distance. The fact that they are at a distance indicates that what they have is the kind of leprosy that is terminal. That's why they stay, part of, stay away. That's why they're, they're far away. That's why they don't come near Jesus. They couldn't because of their illness. In fact, it was the priest, by the way, in the community who would make the final determination that what you have is actually leprosy and you must leave the community. If you don't do it on your own, they would remove you. So the priest was the arbiter of who could stay and who could go. And they had to leave. So you can imagine this group of ten in various stages of decay of their bodies and their mind and their physical and their attitude and how depressed and hopeless they must have been. But they hear about Jesus coming. And a very interesting thing they do here, they call him master. A very interesting word. They don't call him rabbi. They don't call him teacher. They call him master. There's a sense of hope in that word, a sense of understanding that this is the master. This is the one. He is the Lord. Oh, listen, the first, the first step in your spiritual healing is to understand who you are and who Jesus is, who you are and who God is. And many people don't want to do that. They don't want to acknowledge their hopelessness and that there is just one master, only one. The master means there is no other. He is the leader. He is the one. There is no other. We bow to him. We yield to him. He is the one. He is the truth. He is the way. There is no other. You want to upset people in this world? Tell them there's only one truth. There's only one way. There's only one master. And you will be hated. Jesus said, they hate me. They're going to hate you. It's the adversary who has despised the glory of God since he was in heaven and led a rebellion and was removed. And he still despises the glory of God. And if you dare call Jesus the master, you will be an object of Satan's wrath. And indeed, these men understood that Jesus was the one. He was the master. And they cried out, to him in a loud voice and it must have been an awful voice because people who have leprosy it, it affects all of their body including their, their vocal cords and their voices and many of them would have had harassed and, 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 and challenged voices it would, have, would not have been a beautiful voice that could have called out it would have been a voice of people who were sick and ailing and you can imagine 10 of them calling out and calling him master and then saying Have mercy on us. <laughs> it's not the first time people have said that to Jesus. The gospel records many times when they say, have mercy on us. Can I just tell you this morning, there is an anticipation of receiving something when someone says that. There is a belief that he can do that. It's not maybe you could, hey, give it a shot. Could you heal me? You heal somebody else. It's, it's this sense of, I know you can I don't deserve it, but I want you to have mercy on me. That is such the way we come to him in salvation. Absolutely certain that he can seek and he can save that which is lost, but realizing he has no, no, he has, we, have, we have nothing to come to him and say, you must do this for me. You owe this for me. I'm entitled to salvation. These lepers didn't feel entitled to healing. 
they begged for it, and they knew that their healing would come from the master and from his heart of mercy. Have mercy on us. Jesus then said to them, all right, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now look, much has been said by the fact that he could have just healed them at that moment, right? They could have just been cleansed at that moment. He'd done that in other places. Lepers have been healed in the Old Testament, dipped seven times in the River Jordan, all kinds of different ways. Jesus could have done it anyway. But this time, this time he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Why to the priest? Because the priest would have been the arbiter to say, you are cleansed, you can come back into the community now. You're no longer a leper. Go and show the one. Go and show yourself to the, to the uh, uh, CDC of your day. Go and show yourself to, the, to the, the authority of your day who deals with medical issues. And let them tell you you are cleansed. And so even though they weren't cleansed, at that moment, they were still in their condition of disease and death they turned and began to move toward the priest and it was as they were moving that they were healed can you marinate on that for a minute you come to Christ and you cry out for forgiveness and salvation and it's as we follow his direction as we are obedient to his instruction we begin to see the results of the healing in our bodies the healing in our heart it is faithfulness to do what he says that we begin to feel the strength come back we begin to feel life in ourselves it is a process that's called sanctification we're made cleansed as we do what he asks us to do and no doubt, they didn't know what it meant. They just knew they had no other choice. By the way, that's a great place to be when you have no other choice except to do what Jesus tells you to do. What else could they do? Have mercy on us. And he said, all right, I will. Go and show yourselves the priest. We don't know what that means, but whatever Jesus says, we're going to do. And as they left, they were still lepers. But on the way to go show themselves to the priest, they all of a sudden realized their skin was smooth and soft again. Their legs were strong again. Their eyes could see again. Their voices could speak again. They were cleansed again. And the, 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 the absolute overwhelming sense that, first of all, I'm not going to die. Secondly, it's not going to be painful. And then, the unbelievable joy of thinking, I'm going to be reunited with my family. Can I just tell you, when as a sinner you come to Jesus Christ in faith, the overwhelming joy is I'm not going to die. I don't have to fear death any longer. The grave is not the end. It is the vestibule to heaven. No one can hurt me. No one can kill me. I have a home in heaven that's been paid for, that's made just for me. That is my eternal inheritance. I don't have to fear the grave. I don't have to fear the funeral home. I don't have to fear the coffin. I don't have to fear any of that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I have life eternal, believing, unbelievable little joy that I could never have imagined. Not only did they realize at that point they weren't going to die, but they realized at that point that they were healthy. Not only do you know as a, as, a, as a redeemed person you're not going to face death and hell, but you also know that you can have life abundantly here and now. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. 
When you come to Jesus, not only does that fear of death go away from you because you know you will live eternally with him, but you know that no matter what happens to you in this life, you can have an abundant life with him. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. He's promised that his grace is sufficient for whatever comes your way. He's promised that the Holy Spirit will be your comforter and your guide, and he'll be with you always. You realize you're not in this world alone. You realize you're no longer broken. You're no longer wounded. You are now clothed in his righteousness. You are embraced in his love. And just as those lepers realized, I'm not going to be separated from my loved ones, we can know that those loved ones who've gone on before, some of you have lost children. Some of you have buried your parents. Some of you have buried your spouses. Some of you have buried your siblings and your dear friends and they are in Christ. Just like those lepers knew at that moment, I'm going to rejoin my family. We can know we're going to join our family again. We're going to be with our loved ones again. All because of the word of Jesus. All because they saw their need and knew they couldn't help themselves. They looked at Jesus and saw who he was. The master who had all that they needed. They cried out not bringing anything to him, but asking for his mercy. And he was gracious to grant them mercy. And as they obeyed him, they became healed and better and stronger. But that's not all of the story. Nine of them went on to the priest. After all, that's what Jesus told them to do. First of all, the priest would be the one who could let them back into town. He was the one that could declare them clean. Secondly, Maybe they were thinking, and this is an assumption, but not a bad assumption. Maybe they were thinking, I'll go to the temple, that's where the priest is, and there I will give thanks to God for the healing of my body. The problem with that was that the temple in that day was not the house of God. Ichabod was written above it. Actually, God was not in that temple. God was right back there where the lepers had come from Jesus Christ himself and all of a sudden the one who was a foreigner by the way we don't know the town that Jesus was in it was just someplace in the Samaria Galilee area and I've told you before you understand the Samaritans and the Galileans hated each other with with an ethnic hate that we can hardly imagine and the Samaritans it's a long story, but they sort of had an off-branch religion of Judaism, and the Jews didn't think they were legit, and so forth, and all of that. It was just a mess. But the one who came back, listen, this, don't lose sight of this. The one who came back and knelt at the true temple, at the true God, was the foreigner. Why? Because he realized at that moment there's something much more happening to my body than my physical healing. Well, the others understood I got physically healed. I'm running back to the priest. I'm going to go to the temple. I'm going to see my family. But this one stopped dead in his tracks. He said, I've got to go back to the source of my healing. And he went back. And what did he do? He fell and worshiped at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, well, weren't there ten where are the other nine? Can I just tell you, there are many people in this world who will enjoy the common grace that God gives to everybody. There are many people in this world who will go 
hunting or camping or, or out in the woods or out on the ocean and they'll look up and they'll see the stars at night or they'll see the Grand Canyon or they'll see the mountains or they'll see a rainbow and they'll say, oh, that's so beautiful. God did that. And they'll have this sense of enjoyment of what God has done, but no worship of him, no acknowledging of his divinity. They'll receive those free gifts of common grace, we call them. They'll enjoy those gifts of common grace, we call them, but they have no desire to see Jesus. I think we can safely say that those nine were glad to have the physical healing, but they were more caught up in the gift than the giver of the gift. We have to be very, very careful, church, very careful Christians, that we don't first love Jesus for what he can do for us, rather we love Jesus for who he is. And we see in this one, yes, he was grateful for what Jesus did for him, but he stopped dead in his tracks. More than he wanted to get back to his town, more than he wanted to see his family, more than he wanted to be cleared by the priest, more than anything else, he wanted to be where Jesus was. It's one thing to want Jesus to heal you. It's one thing to want Jesus to give you a good spouse. It's one thing to want Jesus to protect your kids when they're driving someplace. It's another thing to just want Jesus. And how do we want Jesus? Well, we do what this one did. We spend time at his feet. We realize who he really is, what we really owe him, what he has really done for us. We live at the foot of the cross. We understand that without him we have no hope. We don't get caught up in those temporary things he gives us, but we realize the most important thing he gives us is himself. And Jesus made it clear, listen to this in verse 18, was no one found to return to give praise to God except this Samaritan, this foreigner? And he said to him, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. You say, well, he was already well. He's not talking about his physical body. He's talking about something very different. You've been redeemed. It's not just, it's not, it wasn't just the, the healing you were looking for. It was me you were looking for. And you get both. What a glorious story. So as we think about Thanksgiving and what's coming, I want you to think about all that God has done for you. All that he has redeemed, all that he has cleansed, all that he has changed, all the prayers that he has answered. And it's, it's important for us to stop dead in our tracks and return to the feet of Jesus and say, it's all because of you. Everything's because of you. I want you more than I want health. I want you more than I want a nice home. I want you more than I want the praise of individuals. I want you more than I want life itself because without you, there is no life. And the good news is, if we want him like that, we will find him like that. The nearer we come to God, the more graciously he reveals himself to us. When the prodigal comes to the father, his father runs out to meet him. When the wandering dove returns to the ark, Noah puts out his hand to pull him in. Come then, dear friend, let us draw nigh to God who so graciously awaits us and comes to meet us. God is nigh to forgive. He is nigh to comfort. He is nigh to help. He is nigh to deliver. Let the main point for us be this. If we draw near to others, 
they will before long grow weary of us and leave us. But if we seek the Lord alone, no change will ever come to his mind, but he will continue to come nearer and nearer and nearer to you, and your joy will be fuller and fuller and even more full yet. If you draw near unto God, he will draw near unto you. Use this time of thanksgiving. Not just to be grateful for the things he's given you, but for the one who gives them. And primarily for the life that he's given you. You've been healed spiritually. Death has been removed from you. And you will reunite with your family. All because he had mercy on you. If you're here this morning and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, then you can find him. He's here. You can repent of your sin. Call him Lord just as these lepers did. And you can fall at his feet and you can leave here healed once and for all. You can be an object of his grace instead of his wrath. And we would love to talk with you about that. But for most of us in this room this morning, where do you find yourself? Are you like the nine, just going about your life, grateful for what God has done, but not really worshiping the one who made it possible? It's so easy for us to do that. We're going to spend eternity worshiping him. It's what you were made to do. It's the greatest joy in your life if you will just do it.